Hey Branches, it's Colin. It's February 17th, Saturday, the day before we gather together for worship tomorrow. And we're now in chapter 2 of Mark as we continue our reading of this gospel together. We're going to read the first 17 verses or so. We're going to see a lot about who Jesus is. But importantly, before we gather for worship tomorrow, I'm going to preach on this text tomorrow. Especially verse 7 of chapter 2 where we hear this really important question. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because they see Jesus forgiving sins. We're also going to see Jesus heal this man that's been lowered through the ceiling at this house party, essentially. We're going to see Jesus call some more disciples. And we're going to see Jesus question about the sorts of people he hangs out with, the sorts of people he invites into a circle, and a proclamation from Jesus about his purpose for people in the world. So all of that in this first chunk of chapter 2. We're glad you're here on this Saturday as we listen to this from Mark chapter 2. It says this, When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them, Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified. God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at the dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Christians have been claiming for a long time that Jesus doesn't just represent God as an ambassador, though he has that facet to his human life on earth. But indeed, we get a first glimpse of what Christians have claimed, that Jesus is himself in the flesh. God, divine, has been given the authority and the incarnation and the embodied life of God in Jesus to forgive sins. So we see this first claim of Jesus that he can forgive a person, forgive whatever burden they're bearing, and then they can be made well. 
Of course, it raises a really tricky and I think troubling question is, is this man paralyzed because of his sin? And I think there's a, a few ways we can tackle that and we'll, we'll continue to tackle that along the way. I'll, I'll just show my cards from the beginning. I don't think that's the case. We don't experience that now and it's really unhelpful. If you know someone who's facing a disease or an ailment to tell them that they're facing that because of their sin, it may not be the case. But we do get Mark's perspective that this ability to forgive people's sin, to free them even, to heal them, is an authority given to him from God. I'm also really drawn to this idea that these men drop this man through the roof on this cot, and it says Jesus saw their faith, kind of choosing to read that there, that Jesus saw the faith of his friends, and that faith saved him. What would that do to our discipleship or our following to Jesus if we could be faith representatives for other people, people who are just hanging on at the end, people who are searching or questioning or wondering or hurting or mourning or grieving, that we could have faith that is trust in Jesus on their behalf? Mark seems to suggest that that's something we can do and that that sort of faith compels Jesus. Again, just like yesterday, Jesus is moved by the faith of this person. Then we see just a a short glimpse in verses 13 and 14 of Jesus calling another disciple, Levi, and I guess we can presume that after he followed him, uh, Jesus invited himself over to Levi's house for dinner. And we get this really dramatic scene that tells us a lot about Jesus' mission in the world and likewise what our mission should be in the world. People start to question him, just as they did about his ability to forgive sins, and Jesus, perceiving this, gives really the, the line, the, the description, the concrete way that he is going to be in the world and what he's there to do, what his mission is. They ask, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Really a catch-all, kind of open net of all these people. Think again of the, the metaphor of catching fish, the kind of aberrant fish, the ones with uh, kind of, they're not perfect looking fish you'd see in the grocery store, the ones with all the the flaws, the messed up fish. Why are you eating with them? Jesus hears this and he says, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. That's Jesus's whole point in coming, not to go round up the pretty perfect people. Uh, Spoiler, there aren't any but to round up the people who are sick and ailing, and not only that, the ones who are willing to admit it. Jesus, I think, slyly in some way is calling the scribes and the Pharisees to answer for their own sickness, to look inside themselves and reflect on their own ailment, their own weakness, and ultimately their own dependence on God. Essentially saying, if you could admit that you're a tax collector, you're a sinner, you're in this catch-all group of the outsider, the marginalized people, then you would see your need for me. You would see the reason for my coming. You would see the need that you have, not to see other people as outsiders or people that don't belong in the circle, but people who are in need of forgiveness, of healing, of wholeness, of completeness, of being invited to and having a seat saved for them at the table. Tomorrow in worship, we're going to talk about Jesus' ability to forgive sin and why he invites all the people, even the people we don't like, even us, to the table. Hope to see you tomorrow in worship and tomorrow for another episode as we continue to read through Mark's gospel together. Thanks for listening.